0: Greetings, in the worthy name of the Lord Jesus, I I appreciate it, the service so far, the inspiration, encouragement that uh, we've been getting praise God, you know those songs that we've the uh yeah the meditation on the songs and and uh, you know those songs have a powerful message in there was uh I should maybe get my book. There was one song that'm sure if I remember the number <clears throat> yeah, it's six ninety nine Lord, I'm fondly, earnestly longing. you know that song has a message. And when we sing that song, we're praying a prayer to God, fondly, earnestly longing into thy holy likeness to grow, thirsting for more and deeper communion, yearning thy love more fully to know. Dead to the world would I be, O Father. Father. Dead unto sin, alive unto thee. Crucify all the earthly within me, emptied of sin and self, may I be. Do we understand that verse? Dead to the world. Do we understand the world well enough to know what we ought to be dead to? Dead unto sin, alive unto thee, crucify all the earthly within me. Do we understand what is earthly within me? Well enough to, uh, to be able to respond to the Lord when He does want to crucify the earthly within me. See, God isn't just going to do that. He's going to do that by making us aware of it so that we can respond to His workings. He's not just going to eradicate it. He's going to use life's situations and circumstances to reveal the world in me. And then He's going to go to work by His grace to 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 uh, bear on our conscience and, and deal with that world in me. <clears throat> so there's a measure of understanding that we need to have regarding those subjects, Of course, if that all happens, I would be thine and serve thee forever, filled with thy spirit, lost in thy love. come to my heart, Lord, come with anointing, showers of grace sent down from above well that's a that's a a beautiful prayer of. Grace that we all want, I trust and need, and, and God will do that if we, uh, as we respond to Him. <clears throat> you know, we talk about the world and sin, dead to the world, dead unto sin, crucify all the earthly. Part of the reason that song probably had a little more punch for me this morning might have to do with the message that I have today, but also had the privilege of being at a wedding yesterday of a relative, and it was a professed Christian realm, but oh my... And it makes you wonder how people can actually profess the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ and express it in such a way. The words came off the lips. But crucify all the earthly within me, emptied of sin and self would I be. makes you wonder how Christians can read the same Bible and come out in such extremely different places. I think part of it has to do with the fact that understanding what is the world, understanding... what is self, understanding what is earthly, having a clear understanding and then allowing God to bear upon our consciences and to change us from the inside out. You can turn in your Bibles to Ephesians this morning again. Ephesians chapter 5, <clears throat> today's message is titled, Walk as Children of Light, Walk as Children of Light. Let's begin again by just reading Ephesians 5 verses 1 to verse 14. How about if we read it, uh, what is that word? Uh, I read one verse, and you read a verse, and I read a verse. What is that called? Responsive. Is that it? Right. Responsive reading. All right. Why don't you stand together? I'll read verse 1, you read verse 2, and so forth, until we get down to verse 14. I think we'll stop at verse 14. Be therefore followers of God as dear children. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Neither
1: filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving
0: of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God.
1: Let no man be because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience.
0: Be not ye therefore partakers with them.
1: For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light.
0: For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth.
1: Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord.
0: And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness but rather reprove them.
1: For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret.
0: But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light.
1: Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light.
0: Amen. Shall we pray? Father, thank you. Thank you for your word to us here again today. Thank you, Father, for your spirit that is sent to give us understanding. And Father, again today, thank you for your people who have uh, made a decision to make you Lord of their lives. And today we are gathered here with a desire to be encouraged to be exhorted to be edified father we desire to see truth as you see it we desire to understand truth as you understand it lord we desire to have your perspective and so again today help us lord god in in uh, looking in these scriptures do open up our understanding and help us to understand where the uh Where the battlefront is in our lives, where the uh, encroaching darkness seems to want to press in. And, Father, help us to understand how to stay in the light. Even as this scripture says, walk as children of light. Father, again just pray, Lord, would you speak through me? Would you give clarity of thought? Would you make Would you uh, help me to convey truth in an easy and a simple way that even the the younger children can understand it and grasp a hold of, of truth regarding you, Father. And God, I pray, use even this service to fulfill that prayer that we prayed that we would fondly and earnestly long to grow into your likeness. Father, use even this moment of time to continue that work in each of our lives. Father, bless each one present. Minister according to the need of each heart as you understand all of us. We commit this time to you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. This scripture that we read here in Ephesians, as I think we probably mentioned before, it contrasts uh, darkness and sin and uh, light and righteousness or obedience or whatever else we want to put on that side of the, the scale. <clears throat> Today, we're going to focus largely... On light, Uh, this scripture says, walk as children of light, in verse 8. You were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. That is um, going to be our focus today. That uh, kind of be our continual uh, pivotal point. However, in doing that, we are going to do some contrasting with darkness, the subject of darkness. Contrasting helps us at times to understand the subject we're wanting to understand. Uh, But we see a contrast. Even like this scripture in in verse 8 says, "...for ye were sometimes darkness." But now are ye light in the Lord. That's a contrast. He's showing us the difference. So, to start here today, I'd like to, first of all, identify the origin of darkness. You were darkness. You know, the scripture uses that term quite a bit, darkness. And I guess uh, if we're going to... find the origin of darkness, at least as it relates to the human race, we have to go to the beginning of the book, the book of Genesis. So I invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 to 7, where we find the origin of darkness as it relates to the human race. Maybe I'll just read some of these verses and make a few comments as we go. Verse 1 of of Genesis 3, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And when they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day, and Adam and Eve and, his, Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. <clears throat> I think we'll stop there. Uh, one of the things that we'd like to, to recognize uh, before they took of that fruit... You know, uh, they were living in light. You know, you, are, uh, you were in darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Before they ever fell, they were living in light. Um, and the only way, again, that we can really, you know, here we, we are today, it's light. You know, it's daylight. It's not a bright day, but it's light. And we can see. You know, we look out the window and we can see everything that's out there, all the objects and their shapes and their colors and their. Uh, and we look out that window and we see the same thing. We look around us here and we see, we can see everything. It's light. Maybe if we were to uh, consider it, if it were darkness and it's totally dark, and then you turn on this one great big light that just shines straight down on, and it and it and it and it lights up a large area, just. And it's light right there it's light but you step outside of that light and it's darkness and uh, so it's a contrast you know that would be and that is a contrast sometimes you you uh, drive by a high school or something and it's nighttime and and uh, they've got some huge lights turned on a play field and you can see every person on the field you can read what it says on their shirts you can because it's light, you can see everything that's happening right there, and that's the picture that we have here with uh, with uh, Adam and Eve before they sinned. They were they were uh, they were living in light, in the presence of God. God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. They were living totally in light. There was nothing to be uh, hidden, nothing concealed, nothing. Uh, they didn't even understand darkness. They didn't know what darkness was at that point. They were living in light. Uh, and a magnificent place to live, really, if you stop and think about it. Now, the scripture tells us that their eyes of them both were opened. And if we're not careful, we might think that they, uh, they became wiser because their eyes were opened. Well, their eyes were open to, to a realization that they were no longer in light. Their eyes were opened to a realization that they had moved from where they were to something very different. And their experience was very different. All of a sudden, they became aware of their nakedness before there was no such a thing. There was no darkness. It was light. They became aware of their nakedness. They became aware of, of uh, apparently, the displeasure of God because they didn't want to see Him face to face anymore. They wanted to hide. Instead of living in light, they became aware of, as, as, as Satan had told them, good and evil. You know, thou shalt become as gods knowing good and evil. They became aware of a sense of right and wrong that wasn 't even necessary before and was not something to be desired really from where they were to be transported into that was a trem- an incredible step down uh, what they had been experiencing before was a, a glorious bliss, and now all of a sudden they're they're living in a in a, in a state of of confusion, almost. What's right and what's wrong? Well, we're naked. Let's clothe ourselves. Uh, here comes God. Let's go hide ourselves. All of a sudden, everything that was beautiful and wonderful before is is confusion and and uncertainty in their hearts because now they have an awareness of what's right and what's wrong. And we did this, and we shouldn't have done that. And oh, and we're still living in that, aren't we? <laughs> in a sense, we are. Uh, and so. Um, the the uh, the the experience of the human race changed from being what I'm going to say light, bright, clear, open. Uh, not even an awareness that there is such a thing as darkness, and it just you know it became a total mass of darkness and and uh, confusion in their hearts and experience. <clears throat> Can you all see that? Uh, We'll use that some as we go. Uh, So. You know, it's a little bit like. uh, It's a little bit like this. Life. They all of a sudden. They start seeing life like this. Well, over there, there's a faint object. Where am I? You know, everything's darkness. It's confusion. This mist of darkness settled down over their hearts. Everything was open before. Their relationship with God was open. There was no such a thing as hiding. There was no even no such a concept as hiding. There was no such a concept as, as uh, trying to get away from God. Everything was wide open. Everything was easy to understand. There was no need to try to figure things out. Everything was bright and open and, under, and, you, and they understood it all. Now, this mist of darkness settles down on their hearts. And here they are, groping around. Trying to understand. Trying to make sense of life. So Cain. Cain's trying to make sense of life. He offers a sacrifice. His brother does too. Things didn't turn out the way he wanted. So in his foggy perception and understanding, couldn't see very clear, so he slays his brother. You see, after that darkness settled down upon the heart, Humanity at their best and their wisest is like looking through a dark, dark glass. And everything is just, it's foggy. Humanity at their best in wisdom, it's foggy. It's, it's, uh, it's looking through, it's looking through a a dark, dark glass and trying to make sense of, of life and, and reality and, And that's what happened with uh, Adam and Eve. You know, outside of God, who is light, this is where most of humanity lives. Groping in darkness. And at their best are foolish. Outside of God. Outside of God. That's where uh, humanity lives. They're groping in darkness. And at their best are foolish. And human beings have proven that over and over and over again. Nations have proven it over and over again. The wisdom of men is as foolishness. <clears throat> there is no wisdom and there is no light outside of God. And so men left to themselves, they can only see through a dark glass and they can only try to figure out and feel their way and their perception leads them you know where just look around at the world and the general populace of humanity where does their wisdom and perception lead them we know where it leads them as because they're they they're, they have no light. They're looking at life through this dark glass and they, they can't figure out, they can't connect the dots, they can't figure out, uh, they don't have wisdom. A true wisdom comes from God and they never will have wisdom because darkness has settled down upon the human race. And so, here we are. We went from light... To darkness. <clears throat> what is the result of this darkness? I like to talk about two different, uh, two different examples of results. The one is wickedness, which we have Cain as an example of that. You know, he his. Uh, as that darkness and he's groping around and he's trying to, you know, deal with life and deal with the realities of life. What does he do? Slays his brother because something didn't suit him, you know. God gave him a chance and he even threw that chance away. <clears throat> In Ephesians 5, and I'll go back there again. In Ephesians 5, we have it contrasted here, like I said. It says... uh Talks about fornication, talks about uncleanness, talks about covetousness, talks about filthiness, talks about foolish talking and jesting. And down to verse twelve, it says, "Have no fellowship with the un..." Or verse eleven, "No fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret." Uh, of course, it goes on to talk about the light. But there we have the uh, the, uh, the 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 yeah the contrast of what has been the result of this darkness. Uh, the sins are innumerable, and uh, you know uh, generations the humanity has proven it over and over again. the the The, the, the record is clear. History. Proves it over and over again. Human beings left to themselves that their own wisdom will destroy themselves in sin and debauchery. That's where they go. The wisest among them. That's where they go. Give them time. Nations have done it. Groups of people have done it. It's the result of the darkness that has settled down upon the human race because of sin. Galatians 5 defines the works of the flesh. And that, you know, in, in essence, that is, the, that is what became the compass for the human being. His flesh. When darkness passed upon all flesh, His flesh became His compass. It's what guides him. If it feels good, it must be right. And it's very short-lived because they usually aren't able to see past the present and the, the pleasure of the moment to realize the pain and the suffering and everything else that comes tomorrow. You know, just like the, uh, the addicts on uh, these various you know, beers and <sighs> drugs and you know, just stuck there. Can't get past it. Live for the moment. Get that high. Wake up as miserable as a wretch as he ever could be. And you don't even have to go to those worst case scenarios. You know, the... Uh, yeah, it's just all around. It's just the result of, of flesh. Living for the flesh. And uh, the... Uh, Resulting misery. And of course, multitudes upon multitudes of lives are shattered and broken as a result of, of living selfish, sinful, wicked lives. Wickedness is one of the results of darkness. There's another result I'd like to consider just a little bit. I'm going to call this one religious efforts. A result of darkness. <clears throat> Let's go back to Genesis again. Actually, I think I may have... Uh, it's Exodus, it's not Genesis. Exodus 19... Okay, Exodus 19, the children of Israel have uh, been delivered out of Egypt and they are coming to Mount Zion, which is where God met them. God uh, gave them the, the Ten Commandments there. You're, I think you're probably all fairly familiar with that scene. Uh, in Exodus 19, verse 3, and Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and to the children of Israel, Ye, shall see, ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And so we have uh, God uh, speaking to Moses there, uh, giving some uh, input to his people. And, uh, of course, then Moses uh, comes to the people in verse 7. Uh, Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words with which the Lord had commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord hath spoken will we do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. <clears throat> so we have this, uh, this discourse going on here. And, uh, you know, God speaks to Moses. Come, Moses speaks to the people. He goes back to God with their response. And all those kind of things. And then, uh, in verse 10, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes, and be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Zion. Sinai. And... Uh, and then I'd like to just back up and catch verse 9. It says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with thee and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. And so now, uh, God tells Moses that to go back down, get the people ready. And they're, you know, on the third day, God's going to come. Uh, they're supposed to gather around the base of the mountain and God's going to speak. In the presence of all the people. And so, uh, that, that happens. Moses goes down. And if we go over to verse 16, it says, And it came to pass on the third day in the morning, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mountain, and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And Moses came forth, and Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the nether part of the mount. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke, because the Lord had descended upon it in fire, and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake and God answered him by a voice. And then, then the Lord God came upon Mount Sinai on top of the mount and the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount and Moses went up. And then we have a few verses in there where Moses goes up to God and by verse 24, and the Lord said unto him, Away, get thee down, thou shalt come up, thou shalt come up thou and Aaron with thee, but let not the priests or the people break through upon, to come up upon upon, unto the Lord, lest he break forth upon them. So Moses went down unto the people and spake unto them. And so here we have Moses is back down with the people and then God spake all these words and he goes on in chapter 20 and gives them the Ten Commandments. And if you get over to the end of those in verse 18, God finishes up in verse 17 and all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood far off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God is come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your face, that ye sin not. And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. So... Just kind of gives us an overview of what's happening there. Hope you didn't get bored with it. But here we have the children of Israel around the mountain, and God is going to speak. Moses goes up, God sends him back down, and then while Moses is down among the people, God gives the Ten Commandments. By the time God was done with the Ten Commandments, the people were backing up. And I'm not sure how far they backed up, but they backed up a great ways, I believe. Uh, they were scared. But the thing I'd like to, uh, for us to consider this morning is that, you know, God was inviting them into a relationship with Himself. The children of Israel. God was inviting them to that. He was inviting them into a relationship with Himself. And the people were afraid. They were living in in darkness. This mist of darkness. They were looking at life through this dark glass and their perception and everything was through that dark glass. God was inviting them in the middle of that life of darkness, He was inviting them to come out and to be in a, in a, in a, uh, a relationship with Him. A relationship of trust and faith and confidence. He was inviting them to... Uh, I should have made that a different color there. We'll try again. But God was inviting them into a relationship with Him. Now, how do we come into a relationship with God? Well, one thing the Scripture says, says that without faith, it is impossible to please Him. He that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. I do believe that God wanted them to trust and to have faith in Him and to enter into a relationship with God to where they could step out of the darkness of perception and step into the light of the countenance of the living God. God wanted that kind of a relationship with His people. They were afraid. They backed up. They went, You talk to us, Moses, but don't let God talk to us. and rather than stepping out of the darkness into the light into a relationship with the living God they chose to try to serve God from the darkness chose to try to serve God from the darkness well we know God had to use an incredible law to try to help them do that didn't he? he took a great big law to try to help people who are over here in the darkness serve a living God who lives in light, but God was patient with him, and God extended some grace to him and tried to help him along in their faith and in their uh, efforts to serve God. But we know, we know the, the 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 commentary is a sad one, isn't it? Their reality of walking with God is a sad commentary. Moses then went back up into the mountain and God continued to give him direction. And before Moses ever got down out of the mountain, they were worshipping idols. Because they were, li- they, they, they were relating to God from their limited perception of darkness. And they had refused to step into the light, into a relationship with the living God. I don't know what God all want to do with them there in that respect, but I am fairly convinced that there was more than they were willing to uh, go for. That God had more in mind. God wanted them to step into a relationship. And there are those that did. Throughout the Old Testament times, there are those who did, in the middle of that context, stepped into the relationship with God and lived that way. But the bulk of them didn't. So, as I said earlier, God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. And God still does and and has, uh, still calls people out of darkness into His marvelous light. He's still doing it. has been doing it. Obviously, Christ was the greatest. uh, uh, Christ's coming and His death and resurrection was the, uh, we could say, the the one last and strong and final appeal that God gives to men to step out of this realm of darkness and into the light of His Son. Into the light of a relationship with God. 1 John speaks of that a bit in uh, chapter 1. 1 John 1 verse 5 says this, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And there's different scriptures that we'll look at that will give us this picture. But God is light. You know. Uh, just as it is in, in, in the experience of humanity today, many of us are, many of, human, of the human race continue to live in this realm of darkness. Uh, their perception of truth, God, you know, life, uh, that which endures versus that which doesn't, that which is lasting versus that which isn't, that which is truth versus that which is error. Uh, their perception is just incredibly limited. Because they're dwelling in darkness. Uh, But God has been and is still inviting people to step out of that darkness. God is light. Step out of that darkness. And of course, we'll see in a bit how that is done. But stepping out of that darkness and into the fellowship and light of God and His Son. And of course, John here says that if we walk in darkness then our profession of being in the light is a false profession. That's what he's saying there. In First Peter, just a few pages back, First Peter 2.9, listen to these words, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That scripture sounds familiar, doesn't it? We read one similar to it. That's what God told His children, the children of Israel, when He brought them out of Egypt, those very words. You know, God hasn't changed. God has been inviting people into a relationship with Him from way back. He's been, in, he's been wanting a people who will trust Him and believe Him and step into a relationship with Him and in the context of that relationship manifest to the world the glory of a living God. It's what He's been wanting and what He's still wanting. <clears throat> In John 8, verse 12, Jesus says these words, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. That's what we've been saying. If we uh, put our faith and trust in Jesus, we will have the light of life. Jesus also said in uh, John 11.25, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Dead in trespasses and sins, living in darkness, believing in Christ, stepping into life. Light. Just a scripture in 2 Corinthians. uh, Let's see. 2 Corinthians 4. Verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Blinded the minds... You know, God hath shined in our hearts. Those who choose to believe, to put their faith in Christ, God shines into their hearts, the light. And we walk in light. So God invites people, and He, you know, He's been doing it throughout the uh, ages, to step out of darkness out of the kingdom of darkness and into the light, into the kingdom of His dear Son. As we said earlier, it takes faith to do that. You know, it, it required faith for Israel to stand there by the mountain with all that quaking and shaking and the booming voice and the trumpets and all those kind of things. But it would have been God's heart that they would have believed and trusted and stood there and listened and heard God. But uh, they responded in unbelief. It takes faith because stepping into the light, you know, again, if we have that illustration of the, you know, it'd be totally dark and there were this great light shining. You know, you can... You know, let's say there's this circle, of this room. The room was totally dark, but there in the center there's this great light shining and it's very bright. You can be all around the outskirts and you can you can you know, you can do what you want to do and nobody sees it. But as soon as you step into the light, everyone sees it. You're in you know, there's nothing to be hidden. And that's that can be frightening. But it can be, it is very liberating to the person who will step into the light of Jesus Christ. We can deal with our sins. We can deal with our weaknesses, our shortcomings, our failures, our offenses. We can deal with them and be free of them and live in the light of his countenance. <clears throat> we don't have to hide anymore. But you know, stepping into the light is also. You know, the invitation comes from God to, uh, uh, to step into the light, to step into that relationship. And it requires, you know, we can't really, we can't take self with us, can we? Self-interests. We can't, we can't take all that baggage of myself and my self-interests and my, uh, uh, you know, whatever makes up you and your own personal pursuits and those kind of things. It, it requires a surrender to step from the darkness into the light. You know, there's uh, two different, there's a different base of operation here as there is here. When we're living here in the darkness, that like I said earlier, the flesh is a compass. That's the base of operation. That's where what we are are springboard. That's what motivates us. When we step into here, flesh can't go there. The flesh can't be the compass there. It has to be Christ. Has to be His Spirit. Has to be His light shining in our in our path. Has to be Him guiding us. And we have to surrender to that, or we get to. We should look at it as we get to. So, I have faith that most of us have taken that step. As Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. That most of us have taken that step of faith and come into the light through Jesus Christ, through God's Son, and are living in that light. And of course, that brings us back to Ephesians 5 where Paul exhorts us who are in the light. He says, ye were sometimes darkness. You used to be living in that dark perimeter. But now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. I wonder, what would it look like if we were walking that out exactly the way God intended it to be? What would it look like? It's, it's good for us to think about that. Are we walking that out the way God intended us to? In First uh, Thessalonians 5, verse 4 and 5, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. And that's just reaffirming what we've already been uh, talking about. You know, we are not in the darkness. We are in the light. You know, if we were to... uh, What does it mean to walk in the light? You know, we could put... uh, If we were to take Galatians... By, we could put the uh, the works of the flesh out here, and we could put the fruits of the spirit in the middle, which that would be a fair uh, that would be a fair analysis wouldn't it that uh, out here uh, it's the works of the flesh and in the middle. It's the fruit of the Spirit.
1: <clears throat> That's
0: one way we could, uh, we could analyze it a bit, uh, walking as children of light. We used to live in the works of the flesh. Now we live in, according to the fruits of the Spirit. Let's also notice that uh, in verse uh, uh, yeah, 8. In verse 8, there is, as it says there, "Ye were sometimes darkness, but now ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Then we have a, a, a phrase in parentheses. And let's just... Uh, Read it without that phrase, going from verse 8 to verse 10. Walk as children of light, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Another word for proving would be could be discerning. Walk as children of light, discerning what is acceptable unto the Lord. There's another verse that says almost the exact words. It's Romans 12, verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And again, we could put the word discern in there. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind so that you may discern what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Two verses in the Bible that give us the same concept. Discerning what is God's will for your life as a believer. Discerning that. <clears throat> Discerning that. Do we discern that? You know, life... And let's, let's, just, let's just consider the word proving just for a bit. Uh, the, the uh, Bible dictionaries give this idea, to recognize as genuine after examination. To prove. To recognize as genuine after examination. To, you know, to, to examine, to prove, to scrutinize, to test. To see whether it's genuine or not. It's a word that is used of of, uh, testing metals. See whether they're real. And so the, the picture that we're getting here, as a believer, as one who is supposed to be living in the light, walking in the light, we are to prove or discern or understand what is acceptable unto God and what is not. We are called to discern Those kind of things. And to understand. Life is filled. uh, You know. Every day. We uh, face many choices. Many decisions. It can be small decisions. It can be big decisions. But we face them all the time. And you know. Decisions, the, the, the result of decisions is usually it begins with uh, the, the, the um, you know, we have a decision to make. We face something here and we make the decision and here we conclude our answer or our, our conclusion, our uh, determination. That determination is based on a heart back here. And that determination was made out of a heart. And so we can hound the determination. We can hound your decision. And we may at times do that as we evaluate things according to the Scriptures. But the one thing all of us always have to remember, the determination we made was based on a heart. And uh, unless we change... uh, Unless we get something... You know, if, if the determination was um, made on a given subject and it ends us up pretty close to this edge or even on the other side of the red line into the realm of darkness, then let's go after the heart and determine why that heart ever made that decision. Why that heart ever decided to go that way. But life is full of choices. Life is full of uh, opportunities. That call us to discern. God's will. It is. Life is full of those kind of uh, choices. That call us to discern. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be be, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may discern what is God's will. Having our mind made new so that we're able to discern what is God's will. Walk as children of light, proving what is acceptable unto God. It is something that is required, I believe, of us as God's children to discern what is acceptable unto God, <clears throat> and it's something that uh, we face on a very regular basis. And when there is, uh, you know, we've been walking with God a while, and that discernment develops, doesn't it? We can, we can, we can discern. Uh, we've walked with God. We've read His Word. We, our minds have been made new with the Scripture we can tell we can start we start getting over into this realm of darkness we can feel it can't we we can feel it in our spirits we can some don't feel right about that decision i made some don't feel quite right about that uh, particular uh, choice or uh, move that i made <clears throat> discerning what is acceptable unto the lord you know there's um, uh, many different areas that we could talk about i've listed a few we could talk about our character Discerning what is acceptable to God regarding our character. We could talk about our morals. Scripture is full of exhortations concerning our morals. Discerning what is acceptable unto God. We could talk about our lifestyle. I believe Scripture doesn't leave that out either. Determining what is acceptable unto God. We could talk about our relationships and with other human beings. And again, there is the Scripture has a lot to say about the relationships between human beings, and the acceptable and the unacceptable with God. Remember, there in John, First John, uh, if we say that we walk in the light and we hate our brother, we walk in darkness. See you have hate in a relationship with another person, you, you have something that is not acceptable to God. And you need to discern that and do something about it. <clears throat> and as we said, uh, you know, it goes, each, we as individual people actually have to be able to discern our own motives at times. And that's hard to do. But it's something we can't leave out. We have to discern even our own motives for doing what we're wanting to do and why we're wanting to do it. Walk as children of light. We're going to skim through just a little bit here yet on these points. Character, morals, lifestyle, relational. Uh, Think about your character. Uh, Discern that which is pleasing unto the Lord. Is it pleasing if you are a peacemaker, one who is able to restore relationships in your own life and in the lives of others? Is that acceptable unto the Lord? Is it acceptable if you are a contentious person and you are one of those who just gets, you know, discord going among people and people in your lives among others? Is that acceptable? We need to be able to discern those things. Is it acceptable, is, is, is it acceptable to the Lord if you're a cheerful person? A faith, you know, basically a faithful person. I don't want to, I want to be careful how I present this because I realize we all have personalities and our personalities are different and I feel it's an infringement on, on a personality to, to lift up something ideal and, and make somebody feel bad because you're not like this. I, I don't feel that's right. However, cheerful versus moody. We have to discern which is pleasing to God. You know, a countenance that is cheerful, free, a character. Versus one that is moody, weighted down, under a load. uh, Just, yeah. How about pleasant versus angry? Pleasant versus angry. You know, a person whose character is a pleasant character. Relate to it. Versus a person who is angry, and you never know what's going to happen next, type of thing. <clears throat> how about a person, how about a character who sees and gives to the needs of others versus one who is covetous and always looking for a way to get the next uh, personal gain? Well, that was kind of quick. What is my character like? What are your character's moral strengths and weaknesses? Can we, should we, discern our character? Should our character reflect light? Should it reflect the light of the God who we serve? Walk as children of light, discerning what is acceptable unto the Lord. Let's talk about morals just a little bit. First, Thessalonians four, verse one to seven. Give us the, uh, the heartbeat of God, along with many other scriptures. Paul says in verse uh, 1 of chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus that is, ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God. And I think we'll stop reading there. Uh, he again makes that contrast. You know, you're in the light. Don't. Live like the Gentile who's out here that doesn't know God. You're in the light. And God's will for those who are in the light is their sanctification. Uh, that's part of God's uh, intent and purpose. That, and we, we need to discern that in our own lives and experience. Sanctification in thought. Sanctification in action. Sanctification in relating to the opposite gender. Sanctification in the things that we listen to. The things that we read. The things that we view. Sanctification. This is the will of God, even your sanctification. Walking in the light. We need to discern those things which edge us toward Godliness and purity of heart versus those things that edge us toward uncleanness. We need to be able to discern those things. And we shouldn't be afraid to discern those things. And we shouldn't be ashamed to discern those things. We shouldn't be ashamed of, uh, of pure courtship standards, for example. When we see relatives or others who are very impure, we shouldn't be ashamed a bit. Because we're children of light. We shouldn't be ashamed not to watch movies that have impure scenes in them, and most do. We shouldn't be ashamed not to uh, uh, read uh, romance novels. We shouldn't be ashamed at all. In fact, well, we should be glad and rejoice in heart that we don't need those things to find joy or purpose in life. Because there's a lot more to live for. There's a Christ, a Lord... this is the will of God, even your sanctification. We need to be able to discern in our own lives. and, And, you know, we need to help each other in those things. To discern what is light. Walk as children of light. We need to be able to discern. Are we walking Is this, you know, am I walking in the light here, in this area of my life? Or am I edging over into the darkness? We need to be able to discern those things. And I think, I trust that we would all say, hey, I don't want to be right here. Or right here, or right here. Or I want to be in here. I don't want to be on the edge of what is pleasing to God versus what is not. I don't want to be close to the edge and try to figure out how close can I get and still please God. How close can I get without God getting unhappy with me? <clears throat> so, you know, that, again, that, you know, that, that instruction comes home to each one of our hearts. Walk as children of light, discerning that which is pleasing to God. And as we go through these things, and we talk about these things, the one thing I'd like to try to drive home into our hearts, and especially the younger generation, is that this is all about a relationship with the living God. Yes, there is a church, and there are brothers and sisters, and they help us discern these things. But you don't... you, you, If you're only choosing not to watch that borderline movie because the church brothers talked about it and they don't want it, then you are missing the point. The point is there's a relationship with a living God. And there is where you must give an account. And there is where the real test of your life and integrity and faith is. And I want to bring it to bear upon our consciences that we would look at life that way. We would would see... That we need to be discerning. All of us. And we need each other's help in discerning. That which is pleasing unto the Lord. We will give an account to God eventually. We will give an account on this basis eventually. Regarding our life. We're not particularly going to give an account whether we did what the brotherhood said we should do or not. not. I say that carefully. Because the brotherhood is here to help us discern God's will. But ultimately it comes down to whether or not I was willing to walk with God in the light. Or whether I wanted to stick my fingers into the mud of darkness. And that's what I want to bear home in our consciences as we talk about these different things. Morals. Purity just being above reproach. We live in a world that is just saturated with impurity. And we know it. It takes discernment and it takes wisdom. But let's be discerning and let's be wise and let's shun the evil and love the good. Let's walk in the light. The world is going to continue on its trend. But uh, may we continue on ours let's just bump the modesty subject for a moment is that something that fits under morals I think yesterday at the wedding I would have classified it as that it does fit under morals doesn't it probably also fits under lifestyle should we be discerning What is pleasing to the Lord when it comes to our clothing? Is there any discernment needed there? Should we be discerning? Is it an issue with God? Adam and Eve clothed themselves. What did God do when He came? Clothe them again. Well, here's a provoking question. If God came in here right now, I think He'd reclothe any of us. I wonder if my wife would think that God would would have reclothed a few people yesterday at the wedding. Discerning what is pleasing to God i 'd have to say it 's sad when that discernment goes so far that professed Christianity can have those kind of scenes like we had yesterday, and you weren 't there, and i 'm not going to describe it. <clears throat> a lot of things about the, the wedding were very simple very uh, but the uh, uh, immodesty was a, an incredible thing really. <clears throat> So I I I'll leave you with that challenge would God re-clothe any of us. You know for the guys the temptation is probably uh cool clothes certain brand names and I don't know what they are fads which uh fads are simply uh something that is everybody's craze for a short time. It's a fad. <clears throat> You know, I, and I know, I know we're doing well, but again, I'd like to rivet it in our consciences. The fads and the, and the designs and the, uh, the things this world is spitting out of its system. It's, it has one purpose and one goal and it's over here. And uh, I realize that we buy shirts and, and clothes that the world makes. That's not the point. The point is, is it a is it a decent set of clothes, or is it something that is the fad of the day? Is it something that is highly esteemed among men and everybody wants a pair and all that kind of stuff uh, and then I want one too. consider discern what is pleasing to God <clears throat> for the ladies, a temptation is probably. In our situation, maybe assuming a little because I'm a man, I don't know how ladies think, but the temptation is probably on the level of gaiety versus sobriety. Gaiety versus sobriety. 1 Timothy 2 verse 9 says this, In like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair of gold, pearls, or costly array. I would sum 1 Timothy 2 verse 9 up with these words. Attire yourself in such a way as to not draw unnecessary attention to yourself. Attire yourself in such a way as to not draw unnecessary attention to yourself. The definition of gaiety is a bright appearance, finery, and showiness. Gaiety versus sobriety. The two stand in contrast a little bit. I wonder if I dare give just a little illustration here this morning. I'll try it. Just look at those for a moment. Okay, I'm wondering, just, I just want to raise the hands. How many can tell me what the brand name was on the bright colored bag? Raise your hand if you, don't, just, just raise your hand if you could tell me what it is. Okay, got a few hands. How many can tell me what the brand name was in the other one? Got a few there also. It's about equal. I was wondering if it's going to work, uh, I, and I didn't know if it would. But I think it proves the point, <clears throat> even, even though you've probably seen about the same. the uh, You see a difference in these two, don't you? The one's kind of common, right? If you're a retailer, one's kind of common. The other one's kind of splashy, designed to catch the eye. Designed to, to actually draw the eye. That's what it's designed to do. And if you put them side by side, uh, it's probably going to catch the attention quicker. I simply use that illustration to, uh, to simply make a point here on, uh, on the subject of gaiety versus uh, sobriety. Again, you know, I do think we need to discern that. I think all of us would agree we want to be living in the realm of the light, right? None of you want to be living in the realm of, or in the shadows. It's something that needs to be discerned in our lives, I believe. And uh, I would like to encourage us I'd like to encourage you with several uh, thoughts. One of them would be the one that I already mentioned. It's a thought-provoking one, but would God reclothe any of us? second one I'd like to uh, encourage you with is to ask yourself is, do I stand out in a crowd? Does my attire set me apart in a crowd? Is it bright and showy, or does it give a semblance of shamefacedness and sobriety? Simply summing that up as not uh, attractive, or that's not the word I want, but not drawing attention to oneself unnecessarily. Keep those in mind, wow, our time's slipping away. I think we'll leave that one. I'd like to cover a few more, but I'd like to encourage you with that. I don't give it as a reproof. I give it as an encouragement. And again, I'd like to bring us back to this point of conscience. That's what we need. We need a conscience that will examine those things and discern and live in the light. Live in the light. I know that, I know that you are here in this church. Because there are some churches out there where you wouldn't feel comfortable. That's why you're here. It's part of what you want. Let's continue to uh, discern what is acceptable unto God in these various areas of life, life. Lifestyle. First uh, Peter, I want to try to wrap this up fairly quickly. First Peter four, verse one to four. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he should live the rest of his time in the fl- in the flesh. That he sh- should that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may. Suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lascivishness, lusts, excess of wines, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. You know, this scripture gives uh, a picture of party living, lascivishness. Excess of wines and, and revelings and lusts and banquetings and abominable idolatries, which is, of course, it's uh, highlighting the Gentiles. But as a believer, as those who are walking in the light, we, uh, you know, we're faced with decisions, aren't we? We're faced with choices. There's, we live in a land where uh, that is kind of the norm. Excess, riot, uh, sumptuous living living sumptuously every day. Uh, it's kind of the norm. We have to decide what to do with that. We have to decide how to respond to that. We have to decide how we're, what is God's will for us as believers in this country, in this land. Maybe we would contrast that with sacrificial living. Living with a purpose of, you know, when our needs are met to seek opportunity to meet someone else's need versus when our needs are met, looking for opportunities to have a party type of lifestyle. You know, the Scripture basically gives us two objectives to work. One of them is to meet our own needs and one of them is to meet the needs of others. And uh, may, God, uh, may God help us <clears throat> to discern our own lifestyles in regard to uh, what, what would be the will of God. What would be the will of God? What is pleasing to God? And, of course, quickly a few thoughts on the relational side. You know, discerning what is God's will uh, in our relationships. Of course, peaceful relationships versus contentious ones. We know that it's God's will that we have peaceful relationships. We know that it's God's will that we forgive our brothers and sisters, we forgive those who offend us, those who wrong us. Uh, rather than holding grudges, we we can discern those things I trust, uh, esteeming others better than ourselves, communicating worth and value to others rather than speaking down on someone, uh, caring and showing an interest in the lives of others versus being just self-centered and living our lives for ourselves. Uh, Those are some of the things I came up with that I believe God would have us uh, discern. There's probably many more. I'd like to conclude with a scripture in Mark. Mark chapter 4, verse 24 and 25. Mark 4, verse 24 and 25. And he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear with With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you, and unto you that hear, shall more be given. For he that hath to him shall be given, and he that hath not from him shall be taken even that which he hath. You know, this scripture gives us a picture here. And, uh, you know, we are all on a journey, every one of us. We are on a journey with God. God is working in all of our lives, I trust. He is working in some measure or another. This scripture makes it clear that you know we have to we have to take heed to what God is working in our lives. We have to take heed to the 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 truth, the subject, the point that He is working at this point in our experience, because uh, as, uh, with what measure ye meet it shall be measured to you and unto you that here shall more be given. Uh, it's a little bit like this as we go through life god you know we 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 come across different tests different trials different situations god is working in our lives and really when we come up against a situation and we say okay uh here's one subject that i'm not going to face i'm not going to let god touch me here uh here's a truth that well it might be okay but well nah I'm satisfied this way. But God has showed us something. And He has spoken to us. And He has prompted our hearts. And He has borne it upon our conscience. And we choose to kind of close our heart to it and try to go on and serve God. The fact is that that's right where we'll stop. And that's right where we'll be parked until we face that issue. Until we face that truth. Until we face what God was trying to teach us there. He probably won't get us much further. And so I'd like to encourage us with that in conclusion. You know, as we endeavor to discern uh, walking in the light, as we endeavor to discern what is uh, pleasing unto the Lord, and we open our hearts to it, we don't want to come to the point where we stop and say, well, I'm not going there. I'm not going to face that. Maybe, yeah, because that's where we'll stop. That's where we'll stop. That's as far as God will be able to take us. So walk as children of light. It's a journey. We're all on the journey. God is uh, desiring that relationship with us. Desiring to walk with us in that open relationship of light. And uh, let's uh, let's see what he has for us. Shall we? Let's just bow our heads for a moment. Father, thank you again this moment in time where we can pause in your presence. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for your spirit. Thank you, Father, that there is in this world of darkness, there is the true light that now shines, and its name is Jesus. Father, grant us grace to walk with him. Grant us grace to, to walk in the light as he is in the light, And then the scripture says that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Thank you for that truth as well. And Lord, today again I pray that you would bless each one present and continue to lead each one of us on in our journey. That we would walk worthy of Christ who has called us to his kingdom and his glory. We thank you and we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.